You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Herhusky schneider This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. Later in the program, Monroe County residents against annexation have begun the process to remonstrate or formally challenge Mayor John Hamilton's annexation plan. More coming up in the bottom half of tonight's show. Also coming up in the next half hour, host Richard Fish covers some of the most famous swindlers in history during a classic edition of Better Beware, our weekly watchdog segment on WFHB. That's following today's feature report. But first, your environment's news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Wednesday, October 13th. I'm Nathaniel Weinsapple. In Portage, Indiana, the U.S. Steel Midwest plant has reported a second pollution spill in the last two weeks. The Indiana Department of Environmental Management announced that the nearby Burns Waterway was polluted with an oily sheen from the steel plant. Existing pollution precautions have contained the spill and it is unlikely that it will enter the nearby Lake Michigan. This event occurred a week after nearly 20 Lake Michigan organizations called on Indiana politicians to do more to protect the waterways in Lake Michigan. President Joe Biden has recently announced the restoration of national monuments that were reduced in size under former President Donald Trump. Biden signed three proclamations that increased the sizes of the national monuments of Bears Ears, Grand Staircase Escalante in the Northeast Canyons and Seamounts Marine off the coast of New England. The National Monument of Bears Ears has an important historical connection with the Native American tribe of the Laguna Pueblo. This represents a sizable step forward for the Biden administration's climate priorities and the Native American community. A recent study from the Pew Research Center has found that the concern for the impending climate crisis has greatly increased in many areas of the world. 72% of the people surveyed from countries around the world expressed concerns that climate change could impact their lives at some point in the near future. Only two countries did not have an increase in concerns, Japan and the United States. However, worldwide, the concern among younger people has risen, which lends hope to the need to address the crisis. Public concern about climate change is the biggest motivator for organizations such as the United Nations to take steps to implement aggressive policies to address global fossil fuel emissions. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinsaffel. On October 12th at the Monroe County Council meeting, Councilmember Cheryl Munson gave an update on the holiday the Solid Waste District took this week and recognized Indigenous Peoples Day. The Solid Waste District uh, recycling centers were uh, closed yesterday, uh, October 11th, 
And on October 11th, we celebrate the people who first called this land home. Formerly Columbus Day, it has been renamed to honor the history of indigenous people. We remember the struggles and tragedies they endured. We honor their place in and contributions to the shared story of America. And we hope we are contributing at the district uh, to environmental justice for indigenous people and all others. Thank you. Next on the agenda, County Auditor Catherine Smith explained the remonstration process currently going on against annexation. She said the county residents should not be afraid to ask for help and that they are attempting to be as nonpartisan as possible. We're in full-blown remonstration period. And this remonstrance is one of the largest we've ever done. Uh, And actually, it's a remonstrance against seven different annexations. And that's creating a little bit of an issue because the instructions written by the State Board of Accounts um, actually explains um, annexation remonstrance process for just one uh, area. And we have seven. So on their instructions, I've had to list seven. Um, But... uh, and so I've had to write some extra instructions because some of it contradicts uh, what the State Board of Accounts instructions are because they just cover one, like saying a person can't re- you know, remonstrate twice. Well, they can if they have property in two different um, annexation areas. And so anyway, so I've kind of written a simplified notes for remonstrance and on the back of it, I have put, you know, my, my cell phone, my account, which I'll answer whenever anybody calls, uh, our office phone, how to um, email us, which is annexation at co.monroe.in.us. Um, so what we're trying to do is let people know that while this is a, a big remonstrance project for this annexation, it's really seven different projects together. During public comment on general obligation bonds, resident Jackie Porter expressed her concern for the safety of students walking to school on Rogers Street without sidewalks. She said she hopes to see a sidewalk there before she retires. I work at Bachelor Middle School. I'm a teacher. And you know that um, Rogers Street does not have a sidewalk. Bachelor's been there just a year shy of 50 years. And um, the expectation uh, for busing Um, tends to be that if you live within a mile of the school, you should walk to school. However, the sidewalk um, down Rogers ends at the bachelor property line. So as a teacher, I often am driving to school and I'm seeing um, at times students walking to school down Rogers Street, which is dangerous. Councilmember Trent Deckard responded to Porter's comment and said he supported investments like these proposed on behalf of the community. First of all, I do appreciate Ms. Porter's comments earlier. I literally was driving down that stretch earlier today uh, and my wife and I were talking about the sidewalk need there. I'm a person that walks. I have the privilege of walking my daughter to school, my youngest, in the mornings, and uh, having a sidewalk does make a, a huge difference on this. And I appreciate not only the comments of Ms. Porter, who did stop uh, at risk to her profession, and uh, all the things that teachers now face in those in, with those dilemmas, but also the commissioners for uh, adding this onto the list. Um, for those of us that have that kind of institutional memory of bachelor and so many areas of the county, 
we know that over time demand use certainly changes and we see through things like our roads uh, additions of libraries considerations of sidewalks even uh, our our fire district which is on the agenda for later tonight we see things slightly change to match the county and the community that, that folks need and i know that this is a small part of that and so i'm happy to support this Munson added that the need for a sidewalk on Rogers Street has been a problem since the mid-1980s, saying, quote, it is time to get this fixed, unquote. The general obligation bond appropriations noted not to exceed $3,100,000 were approved unanimously. The next meeting will be held on November 9th. Three weeks ago, the Bloomington City Council voted 6-3 to three to annex seven of the eight proposed areas of Monroe County land. The move would more than double the size of Bloomington in geographical size and would increase the city population by more than 14,000 people. However, property owners who live in the annexed areas have until January 6th of next year to file what is called a remonstrance petition. That means residents can formally oppose Mayor John Hamilton's annexation plan. Locations to file these petitions include the Monroe County Courthouse and the Bloomington City Hall. As long as these county residents know their address and bring an appropriate form of identification, they can file a remonstration waiver to make an objection against the involuntary annexation. Margaret Clemens, vice president of the local group Monroe County Residents Against Annexation, said she was not surprised by the council's approval. However, she remains vigilant in the remonstration process and says that the county residents against annexation are a force to be reckoned with. Uh, We were not surprised, and I certainly was not surprised. We were hopeful that they would uh, save the community division, angst, and expense by prudently voting no. We had demonstrated to them that we had um, the adequate signatures and opposition in so many of the areas that through remonstration would stop the annexation. But instead, they voted to approve it. And so now we have to remonstrate, and uh, it will just duplicate what we did in our petition drive. But having done it and having obtained everyone's uh, telephone numbers and email addresses, uh, we're able to obtain their signatures and help them out much more quickly than we were in our petition drive. We are the people. We are uh, what gives justification to any government structure that would like to serve us in the community. We are a force to be reckoned with. It is the only purpose of government, really, to govern via those from whom you have consent. Clements says that the group has begun a petition drive in order to gather enough signatures to make the annexation void. The county would need 65% of residents in each of the annexed zones to file a remonstration petition. Clemens discussed how she hopes to mobilize enough residents to challenge annexation in at least some of the areas by January 6th. We've already started. We had a petition drive on someone's driveway uh, last night. We've got one scheduled for Saturday, this coming Saturday. We had another one scheduled for Sunday, another one scheduled uh, for the county fairgrounds throughout the evenings of next week. It's begun. It's afoot. During an interview with WFHB, Mayor Hamilton discussed his expectations from the remonstration process. It is a a detailed state legislative determined process uh, annexation, and we've gone through much of it. But as you indicated, there is an opportunity for 
property owners, for parcel owners to uh, object to or get more information or whatever about annexation, and that process will run for a few months, uh, through 90 days or so. Uh, and we hope that we will come through that and be able to move forward with the with the annexation, which I think is good for the city and good for the region. And and uh, but we'll see. Each of those each of those property owners will get a mailing uh, under state. State procedures, we send a mailing to all of them to indicate their rights and uh, kind of the next steps. Hamilton says he believes that annexation will be beneficial to county residents and hopes to welcome residents into the city. Well, I hope that the annexations will go through and that we won't have uh, remonstrations that take everybody to court uh, or stop the annexations, but we'll find out that's how the process mm-hmm. works. And um, uh, each, each, um, you know, I hope people will will look at each of their um, their options, and and we want to welcome them into the community, just as people have been welcomed into this community for our first 185 years. And uh, as we've grown, and and I think it's worked out very well for people in the city. It's how we it's how we continue to provide the services that people expect and and want to see. And and we really look forward to welcoming folks into the city. And and uh, it takes a number of years. They they don't come in until 24. Taxes uh, uh, program delivery starts in 24, and it's extended through several years. And I do like to remind people that Bloomington is a very low tax uh, jurisdiction. Actually, if you you often surprise people if you tell them the truth, which is that of the 20 largest cities in Indiana, Bloomington has the second lowest uh, property tax rate. Uh, and if you look at income tax, which is is a countywide system, we're the lowest of all the seven neighboring counties. So um, we we really are able to do a lot of good things uh, working together that way. Clements touched on her hopes and expectations from the remonstration process. She said she plans to finish the process by Thanksgiving. Well, here's my hope: having received enough signatures in the pre-remonstration period in our petition drive in fewer than 90 days, I'm hoping that we can end this remonstration before Thanksgiving and give the elderly in our community some peace. We'd like them to have a happy holiday. We'd like them to uh, to remove from them the anxiety of the burden uh, that annexation would present to them. And we're hoping to enable them to have a thankful and peaceful holiday season. So we're going to do it fast and furiously. According to the B-Square Bulletin, the first remonstrators against the city's annexation efforts filed their petitions last Friday. Up next, host Richard Fish covers some of the most famous swindlers in history during a classic edition of Better Beware, our weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. 
Today, we're taking another short walk down the Hall of Shame and looking at a couple of the most famous, or rather infamous, con artists in history. Let's start with a Scotsman named Gregor MacGregor. He lived in the early 1800s and actually invented an entire country. Yep, he called it Poiwah. That's spelled P-O-Y-O-I-S, so I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, wait a minute. It never existed, so anything's right, isn't it? Poiwa was supposed to be an island off the coast of Honduras, and MacGregor created a whole guidebook about it, giving details of its geography and its allegedly abundant natural resources. He swindled 250 people in Britain into becoming colonists, and they not only paid him lots of money for the privilege, they sailed away in a ship, arriving at an empty patch of water, and over 200 of them died. By that time, Gregor MacGregor was rounding up a second batch of colonists, this time across the Channel in France. He augmented the fake reality this time by drafting an elaborate constitution, naming himself as the head of the supposed republic. He was eventually busted and convicted of fraud, but even after that continued to sell non-existent land to members of various European royal houses. And when he was on trial, some of the colonists from his first failed expedition actually supported him and testified in his favor, apparently because they simply couldn't believe anyone could have such big brass ones, if you know what I mean. And sometimes even highly intelligent, well-educated, experienced scientists get swindled. The most famous case of this is a fraudster named Charles Dawson, a British lawyer who hoaxed the world of archaeology for more than half a century. Way back in 1912, he claimed to have found a skull that was the so-called missing link between apes and humans. It was called Piltdown Man. And the British Natural History Museum, the Geological Society, and the Society of Antiquaries were all taken in by it along with many other scientists around the world. Finally, in 1953, scientists at the University of Oxford used modern dating methods on the skull and discovered it was a complete fake. Parts of human and ape skulls and teeth carved and stained and fitted together. Charles Dawson was long gone by then, but he had managed to use his faked fame to make a pretty good living selling all kinds of antique and archaeological discoveries which he whomped up himself, at least 38 phony discoveries, including supposedly prehistoric jawbones, the only Roman statuette ever discovered that was made of cast iron, and more. Oddly enough, he was well respected in his local community and known for helping people in good causes there. The eminent intellects that Charles Dawson bamboozled apparently still had to learn that when something looks too good to be true, it usually is. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Up next, WFHB correspondent Juliana Daly brings you to the Porter West Nature Preserve to give you a sneak peek at what to expect at a nature preserve that's open to the public. We turned to WFHB correspondent Juliana Daly for more. 
Hello, everyone. This is Juliana Daly. I usually do the show Eco Report, which is aired on Thursdays, and I've decided to uh, try something new with all of the listeners. Uh, today, we are going to be taking a hike through the Porter West Preserve, which is one of Sycamore Land Trust preserves that they've um, done protected natural area for. So anyway, uh, I'm going to take you along on this hike and um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, this is my first time to do it. So let's see. Let's see what we run into. Let's see what we see. It's a three mile hike. I won't be talking the whole time. I will be stopping periodically to talk about things that I see. And one of the first things that I saw as soon as I pulled up into the little parking lot was a buckeye. And I don't have a buckeye tree in my yard. And there's one right here, right next to my car. And I think I'm so excited to see it. I'm really excited because I love buckeye trees. Don't you? Don't you just love buckeye trees? Okay, I'm going to stop recording for right now. And uh, we'll get back to it here in just a few minutes. So I'm coming to my first uh, choice to make on the uh, trail. So uh, I have to make either a left or a right uh, decision. And so I think I'm going to go left. I think there's a little pond down the way. And um, the, the, the routes are all grassy at this point. So uh, we'll see what we get into. I've come to a place on the trail, uh, and there's a signage called Beaumont Cemetery. It's um, supposedly one of the oldest Monroe County cemeteries. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll kind of check it out. Um, it's very wooded, and um, there are flag uh, headstones. And um, can't read any of them. Let's see. Um, some really old dates. So anyway, um, there's six of them. There's six uh, burials here. So according to the signage, it appears that this was the Zink family, Gene Zink family. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so we'll continue on the trail. There's lots and lots of wildflowers blooming, lots of walnut trees loaded with walnuts. Just all kinds of things out here. It's a very beautiful area. Looks like it might have been a lake at one time. Right now, it is quite dry. You can see a little bit of water down in there, but there is no standing. I mean, it's not really lakey. It looks like it's more gushy and that sort of thing but uh, there is an area where there used to be a lake so we're going to continue on I'm wading through some tall tall grass and I can see where there's been people through here before me so I think I'm still on a trail this is kind of fun I, this is the kind of stuff I like to do is just head off out into the wilderness and see where it takes me but this is um, very tall grass and lots and lots of weeds all around me and not much of a trail at this point, but I'm still going. I, I'm not, we're not lost yet. Beautiful, beautiful goldenrod all around. I raise bees and so we have lots of goldenrod in my yard. And um, according 
wanting to be experts, which I am not, they think that uh, goldenrod causes the honey to have a dirty sock smell. I don't know. For all you bee experts out there, you can weigh in on this. But uh, I love to see goldenrod in the fall. The area has definitely been logged, so there's not a whole lot of really large trees. Looking through the trees, you can actually see part of the lake, and there's actually water in this section, so it isn't completely dried up. Um, so there's a lot of debris in the lake, um, so I bet there's lots of fish too, I'm guessing. I'm passing by some really beautiful sycamore trees and their bark is all over the ground. Sycamore trees happen to be my favorite tree. So um, I just love the whiteness of them in the winter time and uh, they're so stately. I think they truly represent Indiana and uh, I love the fact that their bark falls off on the ground. So there's lots of bark around. So if you're into sycamore trees, there's some really pretty ones here at this location. The trail now is much narrower and we are going into the woods. And uh, it's winding around and we're gonna see where all this takes us. Lots of beautiful grapevines that are as big around as my arm in places. So just kind of going through the this very, very narrow, small trail. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There is an absolutely, okay, there is a huge sycamore tree, and it is enormous, so he's got to be maybe over 100 years old, I'm guessing, but anyway, it's big. Well, it's crossing over a little creek area, um, and it's, um, the crossover is actually made with roots, <laughs> and um, it looks like another dried up lake bed. Um, you can see uh, the trail of the, the creek, and where it's come down through here. So we're climbing a hill at this point. It's going up, it's pretty steep, lots of roots. So if you are uh, an older person, not steady on your feet, make sure you have a walking pole with you. And uh, you just kind of go up it nice and slow. I'm an older person. I don't have a walking cane. I haven't gotten that far yet, but it's probably not too far behind. So it doesn't take very long to get to the top of the hill, seeing lots of acorns on the ground. And a great big huge fallen tree, and a great big huge gully, and lots of fallen trees all around the gully. So something happened here. It looks like maybe it's an old sinkhole. So you know Indiana has lots of karst and sinkholes. Passing an area with some beautiful moss-covered rocks. So if you, if you like that sort of thing, which I do, I spend a lot of time in North Carolina up in the mountains and there's lots of moss-covered rocks out there. So nice, beautiful area. So I have now come to a point where I have a, to make a decision. Am I going to go right or continue on the trail that I've been walking on, which goes forward? So if I go right, it's going to cut straight across the reserve and take me back closer to the parking area. I think I want to see more of the preserve, so I'm going to continue on the longer route. Just met some people out here hiking along too. They were going in the opposite direction of me, 
But I turned them on to WFHB Radio and let them know all about Eco Report. Out, going out into the sunshine and crossing under the power lines again. One of the great big huge steel towers is very, very close by. So we are now back at the car. And uh, so the gist of the hike um, is if uh, at the beginning where you have to make your first decision, if you go right, you will have some uphill, but the most of your hike will be going downhill and ending in lots of uh, grassy area. Remember, I decided to go left, which meant I went through the grassy areas first, and then we had a lot of climbing to do. So anyway, it's, uh, it's a beautiful hike. It's a beautiful preserve, and they're doing a wonderful job of keeping the understory well-maintained and lots and lots of varieties of wildlife and trees and, and wildflowers. Uh, I highly recommend you come out here and enjoy it. Um, it is a three-mile hike, and some places are a wee bit rugged. Thanks for joining me today, and we'll see where we can go next time. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Weinzaffel, Cade Young, and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Better Beware was produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at wfhb.org. Stay tuned for Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB.